This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. I have had the wondrous good fortune in my life to have been inspired by many people. I have had many outstanding mentors, some who have been important figures all my life and those who have simply brushed by me in major crossroads of my experience that have left an indelible mark on how I continued to grow. I have experienced the grace of life-changing events. Some have been difficult, but all have given me a firmament of choosing to live with honesty and learning to embrace the resilience required to live with that honesty. Perhaps that is one of the most defining elements of who I am. And as a basically positive person, it is easier for me to bounce back from adversity than some. I am grateful every day for that and for the parents who taught me that that is an option. As Johann Wolfgang von Goethe wrote, live each day as if your life has just begun. This line of thinking has been handed down in my family since I was young. I see power, relief, and hope in that phrase. And because I have been raised to take great responsibility with how I lived my life, no matter what adversity was in front of me, I started long ago to regard the greatest challenges as an opportunity to build honest strength and practice letting go of fear. It is my singular inspiration. I am speaking of these things because I would like to turn my attention on my radio show to the importance of allowing inspiration to enter our lives. I hope you will notice that I have used the word allowing, as so many of us spend a lot of time running from inspiration. We can all spend moments asking for inspiration, but perhaps we can be distracted when it comes knocking at our front door, especially today in a world where we tend to live at a velocity of fast forward. So I am offering to you a short series of shows, which I will call the Inspiration Episodes. There is nothing revelatory here that hasn't been said before. But as the notable poet laureate Robert Bly used to say, I will say what's important twice, because on the first hearing, you may only hear the words, but the second hearing, you may actually hear the meaning. Today, I am going to isolate some rather marvelous moments from past interviews with artists who have been my guests on Center Stage, and they have literally opened their hearts about inspiration. Their vulnerability is humbling. I am happy to say that each artist I interview always has at least one moment when they stumble onto a phrase of sublime honesty that can be at once transformative and a challenge for all of us to think twice or even a hundred times upon their words. What I am sharing with you is a reminder that all of us can wake up to the bliss that can be absorbed from the strength and humility of one person's experience. If any of you listening start to see yourselves after hearing their experiences or reflect upon your reality, then I will consider my job to be well done. Inspiration is a mighty word. For artists, it is our bread and butter. Through our disciplined work, we listen for the breath of inspiration that may come to us in many forms. In the case of one of my favorite guests, visual artist, painter, and teacher, Dimitri Wright, Finding inspiration is as simple as listening to a moment in music. Thus, he opens his soul to his own art, and he is not afraid to proclaim his spiritual relationship with God through his work. 
So I am honored to have Dimitri with me today on Center Stage. Good morning, Dimitri Wright. You are a prince among men, but I have a feeling that you will humbly deny that accolade. Is that true, Dimitri? Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) I I think you are a prince, though, and I think everyone would agree with me. You have a generosity of spirit that is is rather profound. Mm -hmm. I think that's because of the beauty that we are surrounded by humbles you. Hmm. And when we try to communicate it, we see how much of a burden it is to hold on to. It is a great responsibility, and beauty is a virtue. And so since it is, it's something where you have to be within a moral state. Mm-hmm. You know, Things have to be right. For instance, when I start my day uh, to paint in the studio, I have to prepare myself. So I start the morning in prayer. And then once the prayer cycle is done, revelatory ideas start to come to mind. Sometimes I might have chant music playing first, and that's kind of like the warm-up, meditative, contemplative state. And then once the painting process starts, around noontime or so, I probably switch over to jazz. Really? Yes. So you've gone through those stages of uh, the contemplative and and now to the real, the kind of earth uh, kind of energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets deeper and uh, heavier, but I'm still holding the the key idea. Uh, What am I fundamentally about? What am I trying to do? What am I trying to say? I have a poem that I would like to read to you. Brilliant. Um, And this is something that I say to uh, my plein air students. The unconsumed burning bush sets our heart afire. Rapture in this sacred muse, dove of peace, inspire. Oh, that's wonderful. That is something that came to me in the midst of plein air painting. Really? Uh, Oftentimes when working outdoors, uh, one is enraptured because all of your sensations are firing off. Mm -hmm. Your sense of smell, sense of touch and hearing and so forth. It's more than just the eyes. So this produces a sense of wonder to rapture, you know. And so many of my students, myself included, are overwhelmed by the moment. And that's why I love Impressionism, because Impressionists paint through our sensations. So when you open up this more symphonic experience, more than just the eyes, the colors start to take on more of a presence than just being subject matter or object matter, it starts to become something more profound, like, what does this moment mean? Right, right. And how hard is this, then, to capture it onto the paper? Is it easy? Is it easy? Is is the process difficult mm-hmm. at that point? Sometimes, I mean, if you're so yeah. overwhelmed by that feeling of of, of revelation, yeah. you know, sometimes it can be overpowering to the point where we feel that we're almost have that artist block, yes. know, so to speak, that yeah. we can't replicate it. Yeah. In the state of revelation like that, one simply says, thank you, and then you trust that. So, Dimitri, let's talk about beauty in the whole transformative process of of being an artist. Mm -hmm. And I know this is such a profound uh, scale of what we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. But 
I'm really inspired when I hear you talking about being in prayer in the morning and really opening yourself up to the ideas which will come to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get the the impression that you feel very close to God mm. when you were doing your work. Mm. And beauty comes from that responsibility, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, let me give you another poem in response to that. Excellent, excellent. This one is called Angel Sea. It's short. Faith and reason shining one. Science, poetry, twice the fun. Fractal galaxies, glory be. Rainbow bright, lightning sea. Photons dance before my eye. Spectrum light, arraying sky. Joyful vision within, without. Jazzical specter around about. One rose, one dove, O living cross. Sacred heart, creative source, things alive, transcendent key, inner voice that angels see. Beautiful. Did you write that? Yeah. I love it. That's straight from Dimitri Wright, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And so because, oh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) I love the fact that angels can really see and the photons dance. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So because we're all human and because we are all flawed, mm-hmm. how important is that essence of imperfection that we bring to our art? How, how mm. important is that to what we, we produce? Mm-hmm. I think if we realize that, not just in ourselves, but in our brothers and sisters, um, we are likely to be less harsh on the world. Yeah, well said. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a better approach for the art form. Uh, the Perfect Society Club has no members. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but everyone's trying to get in. I remember my uh, mentor, one of my mentors, Samuel Breacher, said, we'll beat them with excellence. We'll seek excellence, not so much perfection. Sometimes in the result of that, someone might say, actually, that was perfect. But with seeking excellence, you notice the word seek. Yes. You know, we're, yes. we're looking for, and we can kind of see a ladder of um, success here, the normal set of things mm-hmm. that one mm-hmm. has to do. But along the way, one is human, a human person, and... Um, we have mentors. We have examples of beautiful music that inspire us. We need beauty so that we do not sink into despair. Russian pianist Vyacheslav Gryaznov is a titan force amongst performers today. He is a genius talent with a fantastic sense of humor. With rock star good looks and fierce musicality, he is at once compelling and thrilling to watch and listen to. In my first interview with him, he spoke with a divine sensitivity about his early years and how his parents gave up everything in Russia to enable him to have a career in music. There was an element of raw honesty in his description that left me with a revelatory frisson. Slava, what brought you to music first? How did, how did you come? Did you have a calling to the piano as an early, at an early age? Um, well, it's quite difficult to say what called me, but... Mm. 
I think there were almost no reasons for me to be a musician because my parents are not musicians. My father was an engineer. My mother was a teacher of German language. Oh, wow. Yeah, for almost 50 years at school. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, And um, I don't know any members of our family who was a musician, actually. So I don't know the starting point Mm -hmm. and what attracted me, what mm, brought me to... Uh, this area. But I remember in my childhood, I had a little toy piano with a few keys only. And I tried to play some melodies, uh, which I heard from the radio, simple ones, but that I could. And um, uh, my parents later told me that uh, instead of sleeping in the children's garden, uh, I used to... uh, went to the piano and played something and disturbed another children. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of interesting because really I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why uh, this interest but you was called. so obvious. You, you, it was there. You, you know, you had a, a good musical ear. You would, would imitate melodies that you heard? Mm, yeah, maybe I had some good ear. Uh, <laughs> that's true. But uh, I hadn't any passion to practice, I would say. So the oh. first years of, uh, let's say, my education uh, uh-huh. in Yuzhno-Sakhalinsk, um, these years were not, I would say, serious in terms of education mm-hmm. uh, because I did what I wanted. And um, uh, my teacher was a little bit upset about me because yeah, I didn't do too much homework. And uh, I didn't practice a lot. Um, so <laughs> I had, I would say, quite a normal childhood. Yeah. There's a lot of oh. joy, there's <laughs> a lot of fun with working with my friends, with playing football, soccer, you know, skiing, mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. So uh, in this case, I, I think I was quite, I am <laughs> quite lucky um, to have such a childhood because I know um, a lot of musicians. Um, just don't have. That's right. They haven't had the normal balanced life that you probably did. Yes, yes. And I am happy about that because Mm -hmm. I think it helps me now. Uh, This kind of happy feeling, uh, happy life. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, um, I have um, something to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. that's really important. That's that's the best thing in the world that comes sure. into your of music course. making. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So, you know, your parents actually gave everything up to move you to Moscow yeah, so you could true. have this great musical education. This must mean a lot to you. This is This is in your CV, and I know when people make statements like this, it's something that is really powerful. Um, Maybe it's too personal, but, yeah, I think I, I, I should mention that. Mm-hmm. Mm. All what I have now, um, I owe to my parents and to mm-hmm. my teachers. Mm-hmm. My parents did an uh, unbelievable step, and uh, they just sacrificed everything, sacrificed everything. And um, wow. mm, um, speaking about my parents, uh, I lost my father because of that, because he tried to, um, uh, to start some business in Moscow okay. to support the family. Mm-hmm. And you know the famous 19th in the, uh, so, well, the end of the Soviet Union. Yes. Um, there was a crazy time. Uh, the economic uh, was collapsed 
the financial situation was in chaos total, totally. So um, it was quite an unpredictable situation what was going on. And to start something at that time, I think it was... was dangerous. Th- mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Dangerous, risky. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow. yeah, we paid... We paid a, uh, a good price for that. Oh, for, I'm so yeah. sorry. Well, yes. Um, I was 11 mm-hmm. when he died. And but that must have had a great impact on you. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's true. And, um, well, mm, I think I have something, you know, to, uh, to keep in my heart always mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. to be... A good example for my child. That's also. wonderful. That's, that's, that's absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Film and television actress and singer Constance Towers has lived a magical life in Hollywood. From her beginning starring with John Wayne in The Horse Soldiers to her landmark work with Hollywood outsider director Samuel Fuller in The Naked Kiss and Shock Corridor, her presence is inspiring. But that comes from the wellspring of her own delightful and fighting spirit. She spoke with me on center stage just after the loss of her beloved husband, actor and diplomat John Gavin. I will always praise her honesty for her following story, where she finds inspiration on stage in the face of great personal loss. There is a special star in the night sky over Hollywood now, and her name is on it. I am thrilled to welcome Constance Towers to center stage. Connie, welcome, and thank you for being with us. Now, I've got a comment, singer to singer. I'm really thrilled that you studied with the late Beverly Johnson in New York City, the most wonderful voice teacher who's taught many like yourself, but also Renee Fleming. What was that experience like for you? Well, Beverly was Beverly Johnson. She taught Tibaldi, you mm-hmm. know, the, and great voices. Certainly, Renee Fleming, and uh, Beverly was so much a partner to you as your teacher. Mm-hmm. And as you know, communication is ninety nine percent of it. And uh, she found a way to communicate to you on any level. I was doing Broadway musicals. So she would work with me in that sense. Then she would have Renee Fleming arrive, and they would work. And she was such a gift to me. I will forever be grateful to her. Oh, that's fantastic. I I know that many, many singers in New York are really beholden to her. And, And the fact that she did, she was much more than just a teacher, wasn't she? Oh, yes. Well, I think that was exhibited to me on the day, the last day, of our two-year run of The King and I at the Euros Theater on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I received a call at 5 in the morning. that My father had died, <gasps> and it, it was such an impact because I loved him so much. We were so close. And I thought I was going to be all right for that last performance. But when I got to Beverly's, she said, let's sing. And so I started to sing, and of course, the heart and the vocal cords are so yes. closely touching one another. The minute I started to sing, I burst into tears. And Beverly said, okay, that's what you need to do. Get it all out here, and then you can go on on stage tonight and get through that performance. And it was exactly right, because I cried it out, and even I had one bad moment. When we opened, 
the show, I told everybody, I said, if no one comes to me and comforts me, if everybody just leaves me alone, I'll be fine. I just don't need that one arm to right. go around my shoulders, and I, I'm, I don't know if I'll be able to get through it emotionally. So I started the um, Hello, Young Lovers, and it's about her dead husband. Mm. And as Mrs. Zana says in the verse, you know, that she's talking about the young lovers, but comparing her own experience with the man she loved in her own life. And as I started into it, I realized that I didn't know if I was going to make it. So oh, wow. I, the only thing I could do was just get through it. And I sped up a little bit the singing of it and not dwelling on certain notes as I had always before. Yeah. And our conductor, who was the great Milton Rosenstock, started yelling at me from the pit because he realized that I was having trouble emotionally. And he called me some very rude names out of the pit. Really? And I looked at him and I thought, how dare you speak to me that way? And I was out of my misery of almost crying and mm-hmm. mad at him and really angry. And I suddenly realized I was finishing the song. Yeah, yeah. And he got me through it by making <laughs> me angry. Good oh, good for him in his oh, I know. backwards I so way. <laughs> and then Yul Brynner came on for the March of the Children, and he stood next to me, and he said, now just stop it. And so really? he was mean as could be, oh. and that was what I needed. They yeah. all they just they wanted you to right get thing. through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were yeah. such a beautiful artist. What a natural singer you were, Constance. Oh, well, thank you. No, really, the sweetness in your sound, the riches... Tell me, uh, we have to ask, what was Yul Brenner like to work with on a daily basis? <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I'm very disappointing to people who ask me that because he was an absolute dream for me. Oh, wow. He put Mrs. Anna was on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. He could not be nicer to me. He could not. All he expected was one thing, be 150% there, there. every yeah. performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because he was. And if he was temperamental, it was because somebody wasn't doing their job. Wow, that's fantastic. Because he demanded perfection, he gave Mm -hmm. perfection. I love that. I love that kind of work ethic. Operatic soprano Sandra Radvanovsky is currently having the career that many dream of. In demand worldwide, she has defined the term diva on stage and off with her wonderful singing and statuesque style. She took time off from her busy schedule while in New York City to speak with me about the experiences which define her, but also about what it takes for us to keep believing in our talents. I have one final question for you, my dear, and it comes from one of my voice students, and I know you're really interested in young singers and helping them. And Mm -hmm. at this point, you really don't have time. But I'm just going to ask this question um, for one of my students. She asks, young singers are so preoccupied with how they can keep believing in themselves. Mm. She wants to know, how did you keep believing? That's a very good question, and please tell her that. Mm, um, I will. You know, it was, it was a fire that was inside of my gut. And it was not an option to fail for me, mm-hmm. and it was never an option to do anything else. Mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It yes. was, I think everybody has a gift. Everybody's given a gift. Mm-hmm. And I found my gift very early on. And I just knew in my heart of hearts that I was supposed to be an opera singer. Mm-hmm. And 
I hope that doesn't sound egotistical. It just is something that I knew I was put on this earth to do. Now, that said, of course, there were moments when all of my, a lot of my colleagues, you know, the same age as me, were getting all these great offers and going and singing in London and Paris and Berlin, and, and here I am still studying away. And my husband and I always call it the story of the tortoise and the hare. Mm-hmm. And I was just this little tortoise going, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think one has to believe, in this business especially, that they're good enough and that they will make it. Because the moment doubt creeps in, mm-hmm. things fall apart. That's, that's absolutely true. I think you make your own reality if you can just stick with it. Right. It's, it's the tenaciousness and the staying power, isn't it, Sandra? Right. But, you know, my generation of singers, too, I think we had more opportunities, unfortunately, mm-hmm. than yeah. this generation now. Yeah, it's getting and, harder. Mm-hmm. And so I think the fortitude that they have to have is even stronger in a way. But I think they have to work, this generation now is going to have to work twice as hard as we did Mm. because there are less and less opportunities. Opportunities, I know, I know. But keep at it. Fantastic answer, thank you. And, you know, if there is one word that you would use to describe yourself, what would it be? (laughs) One word to describe myself. You can go for it. Oh, boy, you know, Pam, there are so many words that I would think, but... (laughs) You know, unusual. Unusual? I, have, I would have to say unusual. I ha- Unique. How about that? I love unique it. Unique is a better word because I don't have a traditional voice. Mm-hmm. I have not had a traditional career. Um, so I'm going to go with unique. I love it. The world is not short on inspiration. We are surrounded by it. In a simple, serendipitous encounter with someone on the street, we can be inspired to change our direction or find the courage to integrate something that perhaps we were fearful to adopt. Or perhaps we walk away with a smile on our face with a new robust feeling of goodness. You can motivate yourself first with journaling, taking the time to allow inspiration to flow upon the pages of what you write. The whole point is that we should be taking the time to look at the opportunities that surround us. Do not hesitate. The rapture is present. And remember Goethe's words, live each day as if life has just begun. I hope you will tune in next Tuesday at 9 for more of the Inspiration Series. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage. (laughs) 